Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Well, a beautiful afternoon for a good game of football now, and it looks as though we have the making of it. Welcome back to the Watford Buzz podcast. Here we are to rake over that defeat from Elland Road on Saturday. My name is Matt Messiano. I'm joined by my, my two colleagues, Tom Burdell and uh, Jordan Weimer, who uh, are, are both running the show for me today because I'm not able to do it from where I am. So uh, good luck, Tom. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'll do my best. Talking about running the show, didn't uh, Leeds just do that at the weekend? It was a pretty poor display from Watford, probably one of the worst of the season. But um, how did you see it, Jordan? I mean, yeah, poor poor display, but against the best team we've played. Uh, it, it was frustrating. It was a difficult game. Uh, we were dominated through throughout, really, weren't we? Especially that first half was just non-stop pressure. Um, so, yeah, it was it was disappointing in, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, I think it was a... A lot of lessons can be taken from it. I think it was good to see us in in that sort of game situation and and see how we dealt with it and where things kind of went right, where they went wrong. Um, yeah, so I think I think it's an interesting one, despite the fact that it was it was painful to watch as as a Watford fan. Yeah, I hadn't considered it until now, but it, it kind of the first time that's happened all season where a game's really been totally and utterly taken away from us, and, and we never had, or not even taken away from us, because that assumes we'd have had a foothold in it in the first place, which we didn't. Um, you know, I think we've been in every game this season even if we haven't created heaps of, of really good opportunities I saw Phil Hay who's the Leeds correspondent for the Athletic tweet well into the second half that RXG at that point was 0.04 I don't believe this is incorrect we didn't have a shot on target until fairly near um the end so yeah it's a bit of a, a kind of come down to earth after the positivity of Birmingham and the West Brom game being fairly entertaining and seeing us create a few chances and whatnot. Um, but kind of feel like this is this is bound to happen. And I think, I don't know if it was you, Jordan, or someone else tweeted it, but, you know, Leeds have spent 
despite losing players, you can't escape the fact that they've let a lot of players go, but mostly players that didn't have a huge impact for them last year um, or last year or so. They have spent a reasonable amount of money on that forward line over the last couple of years. Nonto, uh, Joel Piro, etc. You know, these guys have not come cheaply and, and the the difference in quality was evident i think stylistically it was such a mismatch too wasn't it um you know we, we talked about beforehand you know how is this how's this ismar team going to react against a a side that is, is going to be dominant against us rather than us being the kind of proactive team that's controlling the ball and so on and you know this is obviously the least possession we've had this season we didn't really dominate in, in any area in possession so yeah it was really um Really tough, and you know, you even look at just even looking at the passing network right now, just kind of seeing the, the kind of average position and and the actual network itself, and it's just all in our half. You know, there's no real there's no real kind of continuity in possession. It's just very varied, uh, chaotic, and you know, most of it it was kind of getting the ball away, trying to get away from a dangerous position rather than uh, building anything up meaningful. You know, eight touches in the entire game in the opposition box. It's just you're not really going to. Uh, find yourself in in a position to to create a lot of chances and score a lot of goals. We didn't really even have the pressure on, did we? I think that's one thing. They played at such a tempo and so aggressive. We weren't really kind of causing a lot of issues off the ball for them, which I think we, we kind of hoped going into it might have been our strong suit. or might have been the, the way that we could break this Leeds team down and maybe make it a little bit harder for them, but it just didn't quite click there either, which is, I, I think for me, if we're talking about concerns, that was probably the biggest one or the, the biggest disappointment. Yeah, going into this game, uh, most Watford fans were quite buoyed by the fact that the changes they saw were the ones that they'd hoped had come for the previous game, actually. It was Ngaki and Morris out for Andrews and Lewis. And on paper, we probably looked like one of our strongest teams that we'd put out uh, all season. But it, it didn't really come off that way. Yeah, and I think, I think going into it, as you said, it's kind of the, the changes that anyone would have asked for. I think everything else felt quite justified. Uh, based on performance, but the fullbacks the, the main talking point, really, weren't they? So, yeah, I mean, going into it, you'd, you'd look at that and say this is this is kind of the best best we can put out in the sense of you know deserve deserve chances and uh, and based on recent performances, it was fair. So, yeah, it, it definitely doesn't make it any easier that the, the you know we could argue as our strongest or very close to our strongest team didn't perform. But I think you know this is this perhaps more than well this more than any other game. And again, we we did talk about it in the in the build up to the to this game in the last podcast. But this more than any other game was a chance to see us play against a very different team and a team we might not play the exact like of or we will play them again but there aren't many teams that play exactly like Leeds but there will be teams that look to dominate us and, and can you have to think you know can we make adjustments and, and find different ways to play and you know, line up wise maybe you see in the future we, we adjust things a little bit and, and we play a slightly different style and maybe that kind of transcends to the uh, to the lineup because otherwise you would say that was probably pretty close to the best case. Leeds didn't actually open the their account until 67 minutes. Uh, but um, in actual fact, Leeds were dominant throughout and, and could have probably scored a lot earlier had it not been for the fantastic uh, saving exploits of Daniel Backman, Tom. Yeah, this was this was Daniel Backman and his best, wasn't it? He gets a lot of grief, but he made probably three or four really good saves that on another day could have quite easily gone in. There was one to deny Ethan Ampadu. There was one from uh, Jorginho Ruta and then another one from from Somerville as well, all of which I think you'd have put down as pretty pretty smart, pretty decent stops, um, good chances from Leeds' point of view. And, and without him, I think it would have been a pretty, uh, a pretty well, it already was a long afternoon, <laughs> a pretty miserable afternoon. Well, it already was a miserable afternoon. Uh, even longer and even more miserable afternoon. And I think that's where 
I said this last week, so I don't want to um, repeat myself too much. But I do think that's something that people overlook. I do think he makes some saves that other goalkeepers in this league wouldn't make and don't make. So you've got to give kind of equal, you've got to give balance here and say that there are parts of his game that are a concern but the the shot stopping side of it and and this has been the case all season long um is is something that he he isn't just adequate at he I, I think he excels for this level at yeah i think it was you know this is I think you say his best game in, in a sense just because he kept us in it for so long um, and, and really stopped the, the score being much worse. He, he was, yeah, at the top of his game in terms of his saves and there was you know some really good ones early on and it, it's tough for a goalkeeper because you just want that to be the moment that kind of changes the direction and, and potentially just, you know, weather the storm enough to, to potentially get back in it and he gave us every opportunity as, as much as he could do as a goalkeeper. So, yeah, it's tough to have your best game when you lose 3-0 as a goalkeeper but that, that kind of was... Was where we found ourselves, and I think it's probably quite unquestionable that he was uh, he was man of the match for us at least. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of the defending, then ahead of him, um, the back four didn't do particularly well. Tom, was there any points that you looked at that you you thought could be uh, worked upon? I think, as Jordan said, that I mean, the fullbacks seem to be a, a problem, but particularly, um, I mean, all th- I thought all three of the goals, you know, you can't say, oh, they didn't deserve them as they did over the the course of the piece, but they were they were all kind of defensive disaster classes in in different ways, I think, weren't they? Uh, if I just take the first one and, and pick up on that fullback point, I'm not sure where. Jamal Lewis is in that situation, obviously leads break at kind of pace and they do have a good amount of pace there. Um, Nonto, Somerville, Dan James, who's probably his only asset is his pace, to be quite honest. I don't know if you guys remember that goal he scored for uh, Swansea a good few years ago now where he just absolutely motors from his own box all the way up the other end. This was when he was um, kind of breaking through at Swansea under Steve Cooper. Um you know, but it's Piro who's completely unmarked at the far post. You know, their biggest kind of goal threat, 14 or 15 million pounds. He's a big, big boy. Um, I'm not sure that who kind of covers himself in glory in his attempts to stop James. And, you know, it's not the sort of one-on-one duel that he's going to thrive in being kind of a big, awkward centre-half against someone who's very small and, um, you know, got that kind of low centre of gravity and, and pace, obviously, running at someone. But, you know, it's just from start to finish, it's an absolute kind of, um, I don't know, almost like a, a lesson in, in in how to get taken apart and how not to defend. Um, I don't know if we want to go through them one by one, but that's kind of certainly my observation of, of the first. And I think they had a lot of joy generally um against Lewis and, and and Andrews I think for me as well I think uh, standard of play at center back is a real concern still uh, we talked about this earlier on in the season I think maybe when it was perhaps a little less popular to to say I think I think Porteous and Hoot have been quite well liked at, at past this at stages this season but you know, we, we've talked about it in here. I think the, the kind of cause for concern has, has been there from the beginning, really. You know, Hoot has his moments in possession. He can be great. That left foot's great. Uh, Portis can can be uh, effective when he's you know when he gets things right. But I think there's a real a real kind of chaoticness to that that 
pairing and it, it's tough because we ask them to do such a big job and it, this this centre back position that we play that we use the way we operate with them in in terms of the risk we take going forwards and sending bodies forwards we leave them exposed frequently and you know maybe we weren't able to do that as much against Leeds because we just didn't have much of the ball but you saw them defend against pressure and I thought it looked quite poor at times you know who Who's quite a stiff player, especially in this box. On in the box, he can get tangled up quite quickly. And you know, Porteous just some of the decision making, just to to charge out. He did it twice now, and did it in the last game we talked about, uh, and then in the game against Leeds as well, where he just you've got someone, you've got a player running at you from the centre circle, and instead of just kind of you know taking his angles and and waiting for the the player to kind of come towards him and then make a decision. He just dives in and closes the space and just gives himself no options. And it happened very early on again in this Leeds game. And, you know, it was, it was only fortunate Siriata was able to cover and almost got booked to cover him. But just some strange decisions and some rash actions being taken. And, you know, we were very thin there as well, which gives it even more of kind of a, uh, makes it even more of a concern. But yeah, I, I wasn't best pleased with the... Uh, with the output of those two again, unfortunately, what 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 are your opinions on the centre backs? Is they were they more at fault than the the rest of the team defensively, the full backs and so on? I've been going to say about the centre backs. Just sorry to <laughs> follow up your question with a question: Is it me or Porteous this season has really looked a shadow of kind of his best self last season? I think he started very well and kind of maybe tailed off a little bit, but I feel like he's kind of reached a new low as it were this season in terms of some of those that decision making as you say that um kind of we've seen it a few times now kind of you know press pushing up far too high lun- jumping in diving in lunging in whatever you know leaving space in behind seems to be a real thing and 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 he kind of disguises it to some extent by having quite decent powers of recovery i think i'm thinking about um Blackburn at home where he made a really good block as I seem to recall and possibly against Plymouth as well like a really good last gasp block where he just got back and threw his body on the line but you know that sometimes kind of incorrectly gets highlighted as good defending you've got to be out of position individually or collectively for that to need to happen in the first place so you know you shouldn't necessarily hold that up as um, a good thing so yeah centre back worries me as well and, and not least because those that's an area, sorry, that where there isn't a, a vast amount of depth. You know, it's it's kind of um, Pollock up next because Sierra Alta is the the first choice number six at the moment, and rightly so. I, I've got no issue with that, but um, we've not seen a vast amount of Pollock really since the the kind of Millwall debacle, have we? Um, which you know, I don't necessarily pin on on him, but he had a, a pretty glaring error within that, so. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we were shopping for a centre-back that comes in and really shares the minutes or pushes those two come January. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, one thing I will say in regards to the um, in regards to the kind of position there in Serie Alta, I think this game was definitely the hardest for him. And I thought, whilst I still think Serie Alta is a viable option and quite good at what he does there. I think his positioning is good. Um, I think his his temper of passing is good. His decision-making is good. Um, and obviously he offers you something defensively too. I, I do think in a game like this where we, we were less dominant, we weren't able to to play through him, we could have perhaps done with someone a little bit more um, 
a little bit more kind of expansive in possession. Someone like Imran Loser playing a little bit deeper. And I talked with uh, with Luke about this on Twitter as well. We were kind of discussing about Serialta's role, and I think maybe he's a little little harsher on Serialta's position there in general. But you know, for me, I think he can do it. But this was a real issue on on Saturday, and it wasn't just him. Obviously, it's it's kind of highlighted when you've got all the the, the poor play around him too. But you know, if you're Ismail and you're looking at that performance, you start to think now, okay, do I? Do I adjust and, and try maybe a different way of, of building up and, and move Serie to back to give us a different option at centre-back? Is is the centre-back play that much of a concern that you, you risk changing things and, and having to adapt and find other ways to, to get these players into the team? Because, you know, these are questions that a couple of games ago I don't think were, were really kind of raising their head yet. But after this one, it's, it's maybe one that, that we're at least considering at this point. What would you put Valerian Ishmael's selection down to at the weekend? Do you think that he was um, seriously underestimated Leeds? Or, or, I mean, in terms of team selection? Yeah, in terms of, do you think that he thought, I'm going to play my best team and I'm going to play it in the same way we've been playing whole season because I, I want to know how they fare against one of the better teams in this division? Or do you think perhaps he should have, maybe? Questions. Um, gone with a much more defensive uh, selection, knowing that Leeds were going to be a threat and, and, I don't know, maybe try to go for a point or something like that? I think he probably backed his team to to perform a lot better than, than what we saw. I think... You know, he probably would have expected to have less of the ball. Perhaps maybe looking at more of the the off the ball work that we can we can kind of bring to a game. Um, I don't think he would have f- foreseen us being as swamped as we were. But we we really just looked shell shocked from from the beginning, and we looked um, we just never kind of got any sort of stability in that game. And I think that would be a disappointment for him because the, the reaction from the squad was poor. In terms of coaching, there, there could have been some adjustments, and we'll probably discuss it. I think the second half the, the changes helped a little bit. Uh, obviously, it was too too late by then. It still wasn't great. It was slightly better. I, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily blame him. I, I think it's tough to see. It's tough to say too much. I think the. I'm sure the intent was a lot a lot different to what we saw, of course. Um, so it's kind of a little bit harder to to establish exactly what he wanted them to do. So he really didn't get any footing to to show that. But my guess would be that we were we were planning to come into this one to be you know, more. Um, more counter-attacking, a little bit more robust and and hope he can get something on the break. But yeah, it just never materialised even slightly. So it, it's a tough one to call. The changes at half-time that, uh, that Ishmael made, um, considering that we were, it was still nil-nil at that time, seemed quite defensive ones. Kone off for Kiembe, Ince off for Deli Bashiru, um, even Martins off for, for, for Bayo. Um, in some way, feels more defensive because Martins is such a, such a dynamic attacking threat. Do you think that that and, and Tom, you've kind of made this suggestion as well. Do you think that sort of suggests that Ishmael felt he made a mistake and wanted to put it right at halftime? Maybe not a mistake. I don't. I, I think with the paucity of options we've got, I'm not sure he could have done much drastically differently apart from kind of setting them up to play a different way. But to answer the question before I'm not I'm not sure that you could even do a vast amount there you know are are we really a team that can sit there and absorb pressure for for long periods I'm not sure we are I'm not sure we're a team that can break away at at, you know counter-attack at pace either we've we've kind of lamented a few times and I know people have on do not scratch your eyes Twitter space and stuff you know it's a fair point we don't have a vast amount of 
pace in this team and even the players that you kind of would bring off the bench in that situation someone like Yasser Espria he's not slow slow but he's not he's not kind of a pace merchant he's you know he typically slows the play down because he wants to take so many people on um as as, a, as an example you know other kind of wide wide players aren't particularly um particularly quick either I, so I think the changes were probably necessary to try and toughen it up a bit and absorb a bit more pressure but I'm not sure we were in you know at any point this season we'll be in a in a situation with the current group to you know really just sort of part the bus for for want of a better word the um the average positions for the second half are quite interesting they've got Chak Vitadze down as kind of left wing back playing essentially as about our second or third most advanced player in terms of his kind of average position of his touches He's only on the last 10 as well, wasn't he? But Jeff oh, is that where they go? So that's yeah. kind of probably uh, that um, biases that a bit, prejudices that a bit. Um, but yeah, this is the the one kind of thing about the, the, the business we've done. I'm not sure we have the depth to make a huge amount of change alterations. It feels like it's been, the squad has been recruited for and or, or reduced to a situation where it's built to play a way and within a system and, and so on and so forth. And there's not a lot of, you know, option for, for variation from that. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm barking at the wrong tree, but that's certainly how I feel. I think I'm okay with that for the most part, though. I think it's just, you can, it's a red, it should be relatively flat, flexible and adaptable. You should be able to make that. You should be able to adjust the way we've been playing, you know, with in certain areas and still be an effective team whilst being a little bit more defensively minded, there shouldn't be too much of a problem, especially when you have got that opportunity to switch into that back three uh, and back five, which we saw a, a bit more in the second half. And, you know, the, the substitutions, I, don't, I, don't, I understand what he was trying to do, you know, bring on the other striker and he can, you have the two strikers to hopefully, in an ideal world, make it a little bit harder for the centre-backs, maybe slow down some of that build-up, give you a different pressing option and, and try and cause some disruption because clearly we weren't we weren't going to make anything through um, our, our kind of build-up from the back and, and creation that we normally do. So you had to, you had to look for other options and we, and we did try to do that. So, you know, Yasser Esprit is also someone that you hope could, could come on a bit later in the game and, and play through the lines and so on. It just didn't really... Didn't really ever materialise, and there was there was a cut, there was a small spell where we had a bit of dominance in the in the opponent half there, but you know very very small amount, and it, it just wasn't it just wasn't a good day um, as a collective. I thought. Yeah, the um, creativity was was noticeably lacking, particularly until the second half. Tom, you made that point earlier before we we started the podcast. What was your uh, thoughts on that? Did you want to expand on that a bit? Well, yeah, I mean, as Jordan said earlier, we're not used to having considerably less of the ball and even when we normally dominate the ball we um have struggled typically to get kind of shots away or, or chances of, of high value um in terms of the xg battle leads 3.14 us 0.15 the majority of which i think came through the um the chance that i mentioned kind of fairly near the end i can't actually remember who it was who had it which is good but it was a fairly routine save for uh, Elan Millier. Um, we just, you know, if you, it's, it's a, it sounds stupidly simple to say, but if you don't have the ball, you can't do an awful um, an awful lot with it. We, we only actually had, um, we attempted fewer passes into the final third than Leeds completed 
in 90 minutes. And I think that that kind of says it all. Jordan said, what was it, eight touches in the box? Um, and I think a, a lot of that, is, as Jordan kind of said, without just copying Jordan's homework, a lot of that stems from the fact that Sierra Alta, as well as he's done in that role, and as much as I would like to continue seeing him, there, you know, he is not, he alone is not the most um, progressive user of the ball. And I think that puts a lot of the onus on um, on Loser and Kone, who's obviously started alongside him and, and were withdrawn. And, and if you're Leeds and any other team, you're going to try and press, set up those traps so that it, we have to play out through Sierra Alta, right? To limit the damage that we can do. So it's, you know, I think it does hinder us sometimes as well however I'm certainly not throwing the baby out with the bathwater I feel like I've seen a lot of good stuff from him and at times when he's been given time on the ball and and what have you in games where we have been a bit more dominant I think he's done really quite well in there against all my kind of expectations so I I heard at least one person on the do not scratch your eyes space after the game saying right that's it Sierra Alta shouldn't play there again you know it's failed as an experiment we're so weak because of it but I I don't personally I don't think that's true even if it wasn't a, a glorious day for him in that role. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. There was a moment, um, I think it was 2-0, when Watford had an opportunity to get back into the game. It was a ball that was put across for Bayo, and he probably should have done better in the position that he was in, but he wasn't able to take it. So often we've seen this season, I'm not quite sure why, but Bayo is able to take the hard chances, but not so much the easy ones. But um, do, do you think that he can be accountable there? Could that have 
helped change around the momentum a little bit had that goal gone in? Um, yeah, I mean, it, well, it certainly could, but I think, you know, it was, it was tough for him coming on as his first opportunity. And, you know, I, I really have sympathy for, for a striker coming on in that, in that situation. It was really tough game to come into. And I thought, you know, at least he got into a position to get a shot on. I mean, I thought Ravich was, was, was very isolated again, you know, not, it's hard for him to get involved in this one. We've kind of got to find ways to get him involved. Obviously we, we discussed this in the last game, on the last podcast as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't put too much pressure on or too much weight on that uh, from Bio. You know, he was he was he was working hard when he came on and he and he tried to find a way through. It's just it wasn't an easy angle. I would say I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to watch it back in a second just to, to clarify the, the kind of what I've, the picture I've got in my mind of it. But yeah, it's just you know such a tough one for the strikers. So few so few touches and when chances are so so few and far between, it's really hard to to kind of keep your mind clear and just take it like you can when there's there's so much pressure to to try and capitalize on one of the few opportunities we had and as you say it was it was not a game that we had a lot of uh, a lot of attempts on goal so yeah tough one for all of those guys I think it was one where it kind of came to him quite quickly and, and, and where it you know and you've obviously just got to make the best of what comes your way particularly when you carve out so few chances but where it kind of bounces up to him you know he he almost was too near it he needed to be a couple of yards back i suspect or a couple of feet back i suspect to kind of really get round it so you know it definitely wasn't an easy one i don't think it's one where you go oh my god how's he missed that would it have changed things i, I strongly doubt it okay maybe that's fair i I've I've seen it a few times and I thought that it, he could have done better there, but um, fair enough. I'll take your points on board. I think he definitely could. He definitely could have done better. I think we've seen him score from positions that have been harder in some ways. You know, he scored that volley last season and stuff. But yeah, it's it's just you know it's it's tough when you, when there's the, the game's coming at you so quick and you get you have to snatch an opportunity and yeah, it's it's a difficult one for me. Jordan, we've seen Rajovic and Bayo playing together now a couple of times, not for a full 90, but for a reasonable amount of time. I think this was probably for the longest period that we've seen them on the pitch together. How is uh, Ishmael wanting these guys to play together, I guess, is the, is the, is the word? Well, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I think we're not, we're not really looking at them so much as a, as, as a pairing when they've been on the pitch together. I think a lot of the, the reasoning behind it has been to... To, to press the opposition and, and give you more opportunities to do so, you know, in the opposition third and, and make it hard for that back line to, to play through and, and build up, you know, force them out wide, get some pressure on the fullbacks too. And it, it's almost more of a, a tactical switch for the, for the off the ball stuff in some ways. We're not really seeing too much interplay from them. I can't, I can't think in my mind of, of too many occasions where they've, they've kind of played the ball between themselves, apart from obviously the, the assist at Coventry and so on. But it, it, it'll be interesting to see it from a start if, if we ever did go down that route. You know, we've still got Reese Healy to come back and, and maybe that's a, a a kind of reinforcement that that maybe changes the options we have at our disposal in terms of depth and availability to, to play in some different styles and, and potentially play with some different systems and, and see if that's something we can work with. But, you know, there, there's potential there. And I think given the, given the opportunity and in the right circumstances, it could be something which was effective. But... They're, they're both similar and in, in, they're different, but similar in, in, in other ways as well. So it, maybe it'd be a little bit of a hard one to to get going at first, but it, you know it could be potentially useful if you if you do kind of look at that off the ball work as a as a real opportunity for them to to turn the ball over and and create some opportunities from that. Okay, cool. 
Um, Tom, on the bench, there was one notable change, and that was Ben Hamer out for Roberts to uh, make, I think, his first substitute appearance for Watford. And that was because Ben Hamer was being disciplined by Ishmael for lateness, something we've seen him do before for Imran Loser. Um, and the point has been raised that that is now two members of the leadership squad that has... Uh, not particularly been leading by example. What's your opinion there? And, and is there really much to be drawn on that? Yeah, I tweeted about this myself because I thought, bloody hell, that's a bad record, isn't it? I think I think I'm a little bit undecided about this. And I'll tell you for why, because normally I don't think we hear about these things. That I'm sure they happen. Like, you know, it's a job at the end of the day. I'm late to work. To, to, I've been late to Washington, so I am late to work. I'm always on time. I'm a brilliant employee. I have been late to work, I'm sure, historically in my life, and I'm sure I will be again, but not for my current employers, where I maintain maximum professionalism. However, we've all done it. I'm sure players do it every day of the week. I'm sure there's someone, or, you know, weekly, I'm sure there's someone late. In the past, we've not heard about it. A big deal has been made about discipline and about culture and about having only players that want to be here, be here. A big deal was made out of appointing a leadership group. I actually quite like that. I know a few years ago uh, when Unai Emery was at Arsenal, kind of the British press laughed at him for announcing, I think, was it five captains or something? And it was essentially, you know, captain, vice captain, and then, you know, who would get it after that? And they they formed a leadership group. Perfectly normal. European clubs do it all the time. Um so I had I had no issue with all these kind of things being announced. But if that's the case, then it's not a great look when these things bleed out. So I think you either hoodwink fans a little bit, pull the wool over our eyes and, and don't admit it uh, because it undermines you or um, make sure that it, they bloody well are on time, make all the meetings, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I, it's not great. And it's particularly, I don't think, it's not great when you consider that, you know, Ben Hamer has been around the block. He's a 30-something. We're not talking about a youngster here. You know, loser isn't a youngster by any means, but he is a little bit younger. Ben Hamer, I kind of put in that veteran status as someone that should... Yeah, exactly. There's a considerable age gap between them, you know. So, yeah, it's it's, it's not... I don't think it's a disaster by any means, but I don't think it's great. And I think the, the kind of point that people have raised about double standards of, well, loser was only dropped to the bench... Um, Hamer was dropped out of the match day squad completely is is worth is worth raising as well because um it's obvious why. You can't, you can't you can't really drop Hamer to the bench though, can you? You can't, I suppose. No. That's a very good point. Do you know what? I gen- <laughs> stupid as it sounds, I genuinely not thought of that. Um it's true. I was I was going at it from the angle of, of of course he only dropped loser to the bench because he's an important player, whereas Hamer's, you know, fairly expendable. But yeah, it's um in summary, it's not a great look. No, not the best. Yeah, just turn up on time, boys. Just, just turn up on time. Let's just let's not have any less. Let's not let's not have any unavailability through through timing issues anymore. Let's just let's just arrive at the training ground, ready to go uh, in in future, please. Because I don't want this to be another good player or another player we're relying on that's not starting games because of uh, poor timekeeping. You've dropped us before for lateness, haven't you, Matt? When we're late to the recording. Oh, yeah, all the time. You do, you do crack the whip. To be fair, you're quite the disciplinarian. You're probably wondering why Tom was absent for three, three podcasts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm a repeat offender. <laughs> um, 
After the game, Backman had some interesting comments that he made to the Watford Observer, um, which kind of ties in a bit to the, the mental state that we were just about uh, talking about uh, with, with regards to Hamer. Here we uh, have Backman saying, coming here, we knew it wasn't going to be easy with the squad they have, the crowd, the stadium. But apart from technically today, I thought the biggest problem was in our heads. You could see from the first whistle that some of the lads were struggling with the atmosphere and the pressure. Like I said, mentally, from my personal opinion, I felt like some people were a bit scared today. That's harsh words, really, from the goalkeeper. Taking his leadership role seriously. I tweet. I saw this just before we start recording, and I tweeted from my own account. Excusable when Leeds first came down to the championship in 2005, I think it was, and Watford were, you know, nobodies in the league, really. Since then, we've been above them or at worst in the same division for pretty much most of that time. They are not a small team by any means of the imagination, but they are not quite the big draw that they once were when they were first relegated to... It was 2003, wasn't it, when they were relegated to Championship? Sorry. No, sorry, 2004. Oh, bloody hell. One of the years they were relegated to Championship. It was a big surprise. They were skinned, etc. Point being, at that point, it was a shock. It was, you know, bloody hell leads, but... <laughs> It's happened since, and I just don't. I just don't think that's excusable, to be honest with you. Yes, it's a, a young-ish side, but if you look at that that team that we started at the weekend, I, I really only think you can say of players like Ryan Andrews, maybe perhaps Mileta Rajevic. I don't know how kind of big the crowds he's played in through his played in front of through his career are, and and perhaps perhaps Ismail Kone because. As we said on last week's pod, I think it was, you know, he's he's a fairly young 21 in terms of his actual career. But this is a bloke who's played for his country um, and played at a World Cup. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time. Um, I'm having a hard time swallowing that one. It's, it's an interesting analysis from Backman, but I'm having a hard time accepting that it should even be a thing, personally. Am, am I being harsh? Uh. No, I was surprised by the comments, to be honest. But, uh, I mean, that, that's his opinion. Um, perhaps it feels like he needs to call out the players and, um, and you know, tell them this kind of performance isn't, isn't acceptable. But it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a, a really bad performance. It was more the quality of leads, wasn't it? Or, or I don't know. A bit of both, I think, overall, to be honest with you. Yeah. But you know, if that if that is genuinely the case, then how are they going to cope at Leicester? How are they going to cope at um, Sunderland? How are they going to cope at? I'm just you can probably tell scrolling down the league table here. You know, Sheffield Wednesday, who although they're in a bad time, they're a, they're a big club. You know, how are they going to cope at Millwall? I think we've got a fair idea how they're going to cope at Millwall based on last season. So, you know, it's um, if we're going to apply that kind of level of mental if we've got that kind of level of mental fragility then I think we're in for some uh, some more kind of humbling away days well it's a good job that we're back at home then for the next fixture and up <laughs> against a side who were expected uh, uh, me uh, me amongst that crowd uh, big things of but it hasn't really happened this season for Middlesbrough no um they got a big win, I think, in the scheme of things on Saturday, beating Southampton 2-1. Southampton are in a, a bit of a rut and, and obviously kind of coming from behind in that one. But in midweek, they were only able to draw at Sheffield Wednesday and that was only the second point Sheffield Wednesday picked up this season. Um, 
you know they've they've not been anything like the team that I think most people expected them to be. Um, I know Luan's kind of wasn't so high on them this season. I I hold a lot of store in what he says because he knows his watches a hell of a lot of Championship football and knows his knows his stuff and does his research. And I don't think he was super high on them at the start of the season because the the kind of business they'd done they signed a lot of young players um essentially and and hadn't kind of augmented what they had with the experience at this um at this level but you know Michael Carrick did a very good job there last season kind of turning them around in a in a pretty iffy situation so it wouldn't put it past them again and and you know they'll be looking at us and saying right that they got absolutely and utterly taken to the cleaners up at Leeds let's you know let's really um if we can start fast and 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 opposite of build on i guess you know pile on pile on because their their tails will be up so um it's going to be it's it's not going to be an easy game just because they're having a a a tough start to the season against expectations Jordan, in the past, Watford have been the perfect team for teams like Middlesbrough in this situation to face because they they always seem to get uh, a, a good rebound against us for some for some reason or another. <laughs> yeah, it does seem like that, doesn't it? I, you know, I think this would be an interesting one. I, I'm curious again. You know, we're starting to get into a, a run of fixtures now where we're seeing us play against different styles of teams and and the kind of stakes are changing a little bit within that. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm intrigued to see how both sides approach this. Um, I think I'd expect us to be a little bit closer to what we've been trying to achieve this season so far. And um, I'm expecting a relatively good game. I don't think Middlesbrough are really capable of, of closing things off too, too much at this point. So I'm hoping that we are relatively open and, and potentially we'll see, um, we'll see us kind of get a foot back into to where we want to be. I'm actually... I'm feeling relatively positive about this, but yeah, who knows? It's, it's a tough one to call still. How do you feel in terms of um, in terms of the matchup? Um, well, look, I think some things still remain. They're going to be a team that they, they are a team that like to keep the ball and dominate the ball. They're third in the championship. For passes, no one has attempted or completed more through passes than them. So it's going to be a challenge in that respect again, albeit back at our place. You know, it's. Um, as we know, it's not a kind of cauldron of noise. We're not talking about the the, the Bombonera here. It's um, it's Vicarage Road. So I, I don't think the fact that we're at home means that we're automatically going to dominate position. And we saw how that kind of panned out for us against against Leeds. I still think they've got, um, you know, some good, some, some good, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? I still think they've got good players in um in in that squad uh Isaiah Jones has has done well for them uh Marcus Force did well for them last season they got some decent kind of midfield players in there Matt Crooks is someone I've always liked big nuisance um kind of player Dan Barlasa you know good on the ball pick, can pick you apart with with his kind of range of passing as well but they've also got some some unknown quantities I've got to sit here and admit that I've never heard of their number 9 Emmanuel Lati Leith I don't even know if I've said that right. Never heard of him, uh, and 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 there's a few others in there that that that, that applies to as well. So um, it's 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 gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be a big um, a big test. And as I, as I say, I, I don't think um, I don't think they will be coming for anything other than three points and trying to get their their season up and running. Yes, as as Tom said, um, they I, I think they're still going to be dangerous, and um, we'll have to be very careful. We have. 
by and large, not been too bad at home, actually, this season. We've stumbled a couple of times, but we've we've always been, I think, more or less in the game. Uh, and, and we've been disappointed when the the result hasn't fallen our way. So I, I'm pleased it's at home. But uh, yeah, there, there, there are no easy games in, in any division and, and Middlesbrough won't be easy either. But hopefully we can... Um, take advantage of them not being in a great position, not being in a great uh, run of form, despite the fact that they've got that result recently and uh, get back to winning ways ourselves. Yeah, 16th versus 20th. Looking forward to it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's move into any other business then. And only one piece that I wanted to mention, really. Uh, Craig Cathcart has announced his retirement. Um, Didn't actually play any games for his new club whose name escapes me right now uh Courtrike. yeah um, I don't know if that's how you say it but that's how I'm saying it I, I guess he felt as though the time was up for him yeah kind of surprised about that because you know only in inverted commas 34 um coming off the back of playing at a decent number of games for us last season season before in the Prem he only missed seven games you know so availability wasn't um, an issue I don't think he was the player he was but I kind of felt like going to Belgium was a you know interesting step for him at his time of life having spent most of his career here played in the Belgian second division when he was a, a kid at Man United went on loan to Royal Antwerp when they used to have a bit of a a link up, but yeah, evidently something wasn't right for him. So a shame, but um, you kind of wish him all the best. Obviously a bit of a modern day Watford. I don't know where you quite peg him. I don't know if legend is quite right in, in terms of modern day, not all time, but you know, certainly a modern day Watford, Watford favorite, nearly over 250 appearances, obviously part of the team that got our highest ever Premier League finish, got to the FA Cup final, had some good moments in there. Of course, didn't he? The, was Middlesbrough, wasn't it? The the goal, the kind of sort of overhead kick, um, one promotion twice, you know. So it'd been part of a big kind of a big part of an era of, of success for us and 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 ultimately cost nothing when he came back. So of all the signings that the Potsos have made, you'd probably put him up there as one of the, the best value, I would I would just said. Mm. I, I I believed he could still do a job for us this season, so I was surprised that he wasn't retained. Uh especially given the fact that we have the current centre-back situation we have now. I'd still take him on, to be honest, as a as a, a decent backup, but fair enough. I don't think he would have let us down. I just think symbolically we had to be moving forward. Well, I think also we're, we're asking so much in these, these centre-backs in space and they're having to defend so high at the pitch. It, whilst Craig is great, I love Cathcart as a player, but I think in this setup it would be extremely tough for him to to be performing at the level required to to improve or at least kind of keep this team at the same standard. Um, as well as he reads the game and he he's a good thinker and you know he he is always calm and collected, which was such a such a vital aspect of of a centre back in in a Watford team in recent years. But I think this one will be a little a bridge too far for him. I think it'd be tough to 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 operate in in that high line. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay then. Well, we uh, we move on to Middlesbrough, and we will be podding uh, again at the weekend, uh, talking about hopefully a victory. Um, in the meantime, uh, do follow us on our various uh, channels uh, at Jordan Weimer, at TB Bedell, uh, at Messi Messiano, and at Watford Pod. Uh, and while you're at it, if you could. Uh, 
spare a moment, could you please, please go to uh, us on iTunes, go down to the bottom and leave us a review. I uh, would very much enjoy reading those. Um, uh, any review out of five stars would be fine. And um, put a couple of notes down there as well and we'll we'll read it out on the show. <laughs> you want to strike that? Uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. Um, that just leaves me to say uh, thanks very much for tuning in. Uh, we've been the What for Buzz and we'll uh, we'll catch you next time. Looking forward to it. See you soon. Goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 